0: Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Well, good evening, everybody. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Tim Yi. I'm the new pastor here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here on Christmas Eve. You see so many faces and um been praying for you. As the Lord has put on your heart and mind just to show up tonight, we believe God has something special for you today and and that tonight that He would speak to each one of us. Would you allow me the privilege to pray for us one more time as we dig into God's Word? Let's pray. God, we thank You that You arrived before we ever did. The truth is, Lord, where two or three are gathered in Your name, Jesus, You promised to be there amongst us in a special way. So Lord, help us to even imagine the the truth of that. Let that sink in. The reality is that You are here with us, Emmanuel, God, with us. Lord, what do you have for us tonight? May we discover it, Lord, as we dig into your Word. May we pierce our hearts. Would you not only encourage us, but you challenge us, Lord, to leave this place knowing more of who we really are in you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. And it's your name that we pray, Jesus, these things. Amen. As we look into the different texts tonight, we're just reminded that Jesus was never shy about inviting people to center their lives around him. He never hesitated to invite people to follow him. He claimed to be God himself, the center of all reality, and yet also God in the flesh. What mystery that is, that he, the center of reality, and yet somehow God in the flesh, this baby sent on a mission to rescue the broken world. This is the Christmas story that we're looking at tonight that this rescue mission is that he would help us to find the one and only true and lasting love. Isaiah 9 tells us about this rescuer of Jesus, calling him a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Now, you can tell by these titles that this is no ordinary baby, right? This is no regular kind of birth. And also, this is not just someone who's just a prophet, Or someone who's a spiritual guide. This is not merely a political leader or some kind of life coach, right? On Christmas of all days, let's not misunderstand whom Jesus said he was and whom he knew himself to be. And he knew he was not just a good human being and not just a spiritual guru, but Lord of the universe, sent on a rescue mission to reveal your need for him and to offer you a path back to the Father. And He is asking you tonight to center your life around Him. He's asking you to look to Him to be your Lord, to follow Him, not because He needs you to, because He doesn't, but because you need Him in your life. He came to give you the love that you need. So Jesus, we see, first of all, is a wonderful counselor. We're going to take a look at all four of these descriptions of Jesus. A wonderful counselor, what does that mean? Well, counselor is someone... For Jesus, he had to show you what life is really all about because he knows you better than you know yourself. Isn't what a good counselor is and does? Reveals to you what you really need, what you really want. Jesus knows you need him, and so he came and he died in order for you to find life. And his resurrection giving you the ability to discover true love. He's a wonderful counselor. He's also, though, the mighty God. So loving is this mighty God that he didn't want to hoard his perfect love as the mighty God, but instead wanted to share it. In case you weren't clear that God's Messiah is God himself, Isaiah predicts also not just a mighty God, but also this coming Messiah is an everlasting father. Now, the Bible isn't saying that the Messiah is the same as God the Father. But rather, Isaiah is describing this coming Messiah as being maybe one with the Father, because Jesus himself said, keep in mind, I and the Father are one. And then Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You see the unity in this Messiah that Isaiah prophesies about, pointing to God the Father. So the coming Messiah will have the qualities of our everlasting Father and will be a path to God the Father. And then lastly, this last title, the Messiah will be a Prince of Peace. So Isaiah is speaking about a divine messenger, the eternal Son of God, coming as a baby to deliver good news that an everlasting love is coming down to earth to bring peace amidst chaos. Don't we all want peace? Peace especially in this day and age, we are really lacking peace. Some of you just experience the, the, the chaos of shopping, right? That's, you really need peace, right? Or travel chaos, road rage chaos, traffic chaos. We need God's peace. Cooking chaos in your kitchens right now, right? It's chaos everywhere. We need God's peace. The Prince of Peace is offering his calm to you tonight, no matter how you come. He's offering his peace over your financial chaos, your relational chaos, your very real health chaos, because his love can bring you a peace that no one else can offer. His love can change your life. If you will decenter yourself around yourself and around your ways of trying to attain peace, and if you'll center yourself around Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, around his everlasting love. Now, I've been thinking a lot about love lately. My wife has been sick the last few days, and so we've been watching the Hallmark Channel 24-7. So if you really want to learn about true love, you watch the Hallmark Channel. So spoiler alert, the boy and the girl in the end fall in love. Okay, spoiler, sorry. Now, it's fun to watch with my 5-year-old and 10-year-old because of my 5-year-old at this age and stage. At the end, the boy and girl always kiss, and my daughter's like, ah! Oh! gross gross and I'm like yes it is gross you should never leave home (laughs) only only daddies only daddies should be boys in your life so that's what I'm teaching I'm teaching a really sound family really good family of values right but true love is something that we're all looking for right I remember entering college looking for true love. I was on a mission thinking, you know, God has some special girl for me in my life. And so which girl would it be? As I entered UCLA, I was always thinking, which girl is it? Who's going to be the lucky one, right, to uh, get to marry me, right? And so I thought, maybe it's Gina. Really, this is a real girl. Gina, the UCLA gymnast. And I carried a cut-out picture of her in my Bible, and I prayed for her every day. And as I say that out loud, it sounds really creepy, okay? But (laughs) it was all of the good intent. That never happened. And so maybe I thought, Lord, maybe it's Anne. She's in my dorm on a different floor on the other side, but maybe it's Anne. But when she told me she thought I was an idiot, I kind of took that as a hint, Okay. (laughs) But perhaps it was Julie, my first girlfriend in college, Julie, the Santa Monica lifeguard. And she even told me that I was the best boyfriend she ever had. So maybe Julie would be the love of my life, but it didn't work out. Okay, so, but then I thought maybe it was the Korean girl who I saw who came to church. I saw her on campus. I thought that was going to be my true love until she started dating my cousin. (laughs) That happened. And then I thought maybe, maybe this is it. It's going to be the Greek girl that I work with. That's going to be And we spent all this time together. And then until she told me that she just wanted to be friends, the dreaded word. I couldn't find true love. I was looking for it everywhere. All through college, into my 20s, I kept wondering who my true love would be. How many times, let me ask you, have you fallen in love? So to six show, the average American in their lifetime will actually think they've fallen in love six times, okay? Do you remember the first time you ever thought you had fallen in love? Because every human being is looking for love. And most today would say that it's hard to find it, right? It's hard to find true love. And how do you even know if it's true love? See, Jesus came on Christmas to deliver true love. He came to give you what you really need, which is a rescuer, rescuing us from our feeble attempts to find true and lasting love. See, all of us are looking not just for true love, but a love that will always last, that will never fade away. So no no matter how perfect your romance was or how perfect your marriage might be or how wonderful your, your relationship with your kids are, every one of our human relationships eventually will end, right? There is no promise of the perfect love to be found outside of Jesus Christ. We're all looking for a love that will never end. And so Jesus came to give you and to give me what we really need. everlasting, never-ending love. John 6:38, which we read earlier, reminds us that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. and so on Christmas, Jesus came in order to give up his life. That was his rescue mission. And in fact, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus reminds his listeners, that the son of man himself must suffer. He must be killed. Jesus says, I'm on a rescue mission, giving my life so that you could find true love, a love that will never run out. That's his purpose, is to give love. The wonderful counselor came to this planet because he knew that you were longing for an everlasting love that you can never attain without him coming near to you. That's why at Christmas we sing about Emmanuel, God with us, God come near. That's why we talk about this Advent, the coming near of the Christ. And that's why in John three sixteen, Jesus reminds us of his mission. In the Gospel of John, the writer says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. For God so loved the world, it's out of love that this Christmas story is born. And I wonder if we could see that the, the immense love that God has for us, even tonight. That's my prayer See, because this wonderful counselor us because he knew we're longing for a love that will last forever. Now, my marriage, my relationships with my kids are beautiful, wonderful little glimpses of God's love, little moments. Just the other other morning, uh, one of my daughters came into bed early and she said, I I love you, daddy. And so I'm sure when she's 18, she's going to be doing the same thing, right? (laughs) Even the best relationships, even the best human love we can experience fades away. We can't grasp it. We want to put it in a bottle, right? And keep it forever. Only in Christ can we have the forever love we're all looking for that will never go away. Ultimately, all the kind of human love that we experience on this planet has some kind of condition attached to it, but not God's love. God's love is the only love that you can never earn. And that's good news because then it's the only love that you can never lose It was never based on anything that you did, so you didn't earn it. And that's good news, because if you didn't earn it, you can't unearn it. It just is for you to receive as a gift. Have you said yes to this free gift of God's unconditional, never-ending love? That's the invitation this Christmas Eve, to say yes. When you think of God, do you think of a smiling God? Do you think of a happy God, a God who is glad that you're here? A a God who's glad that you're singing and and praying and, and trying to stay connected to him? That's a smiling God. Do you see God as one with love in his eyes for you? That's my prayer. You'd walk out knowing this isn't just religion. It's not moralism. It's not trying to make you a better human being. It's you being captivated by the love of God. It's a love story. This rescue mission of Jesus taking the cross and rising again for you. It's a love story. Famed columnist Irma Bombeck wrote this true story. She said, I was in church the other Sunday and I was intent on a small child who was turning around and smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling or spitting or humming or kicking or tearing the hymnals or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him around and said, stop that grinning. You're in church. (laughs) And then As tears rolled down his cheeks, she added, that's better, and returned to her prayers. What a hypocrite, right? Stop smiling. And Irma Bamek says, I wanted to grab that child with his tear-stained face so close to me and tell him about my God, the happy God, the smiling God, the God who had to have a sense of humor to have created the likes of us, all of us imperfect people. And I'd like to say the God who actually became one of us so that you could know his everlasting, never-ending, unearned, unlosable love. That's why he came. That's the rescue mission. So can you see the smiling God tonight? Can you imagine it? I know you may not see him tonight, but can you imagine the reality of God smiling on you? Or maybe you're holding back because you fear the the mighty God and the way you grew up, the mighty God. That's a God you fear. That's a God you stay away from. Maybe somehow those words elicit some kind of fear or distance from you. Maybe you're afraid of this mighty God taking something away or maybe, maybe making a change in your life. I don't want the mighty God in my life, maybe. Or perhaps I ask you, can you see the wonderful counselor, the one who is ready to listen to you, to that same story, to that same problem, to that same struggle. Can you see that wonderful counselor tonight? Can you see the Prince of Peace extending his arms of love to you, saying, I took the cross out of love for you. Can you see that embrace waiting for you? See, even as longtime Christians, we need to be reminded of this everlasting, never-ending, unearned and losable love. We've been in church maybe so many years, it becomes kind of like ho-hum. Maybe we find it difficult to see and experience a smiling God that is present right now. And just to remind you that this is very important to Jesus. Because in Revelation 2, verse 14, he tells these really great Christians in Ephesus, he says, I love your hard work. I love your faithfulness. I love your perseverance. There's one thing I hold against you. You've forgotten your first love. So Jesus says to all of us here tonight, where's the love? Do you see the smile in God? Do you see my arms open wide on the cross saying I'm ready to embrace you with all your imperfections, even all your doubts, all your struggles? It's a love story. And the wonderful counselor say, I'm listening to you, but don't you know in your heart, your deepest part of you, you're looking for a love that will never end? And don't you know you'll never find it outside of me, God says? And he's just He wants us to stop striving, stop working so hard to try to earn love and to rest in the unearnable, unlosable, unmatchable love of God. Can you see him here tonight? Can you sense that he wants you to say yes to him? Because he has a love for you that will never, ever fade away. My friend was a nanny for a Jewish family back in the 1990s when I lived in Los Angeles. As a committed Christian, my my friend cared deeply for this young Jewish girl, Hannah. And she was always praying for an opportunity to kind of naturally allow to share her Christian faith with this Jewish family. So one night she was driving, it's Christmas time, through Beverly Hills. Have you ever seen it? Beautiful, like many cities in our country. It's all lit up, right, with these beautiful Christmas lights and Christmas decorations and Hannah's sitting in the back seat. My friend is driving the car, and Hannah H- Hannah's looking at all the beautiful lights. And she said, look at all these beautiful lights. What are they for? Hannah asked. And my friend was thinking, here's my opportunity I've been praying about, opportunity to share a little bit about Jesus. And so she said, these decorations are for Jesus's birthday, because Christmas is all about the birth of the Savior. Pretty good, right? And so Hannah asked, my friend who's driving, well, what do you think Jesus wants for his birthday? So as my friend is still driving, thought to herself, well, what would Jesus want for his birthday? He's Lord of the universe. He doesn't really need much. So, so my friend, without kind of thinking, she's driving saying, well, she says, well, why don't you ask him? Now, as the words went out of my friend's mouth to the six-year-old Jewish girl that she's never talked about, with, about Jesus with, She thought, what did I just say? I just told the six-year-old Jewish girl in the back to talk to Jesus. Okay? So Hannah says, okay. And I guess she knew how to pray. She closes her eyes, and I guess she's praying. And so now my friend is driving, looking in the rearview mirror, freaking out. Like, oh, my gosh. I just told her to pray to Jesus. To ask somebody wants for his birthday, and so she said, "Dear Lord, I don't know if you still speak to people audibly anymore, but if you do, now would be a great time." <laughs> Hannah opens up her eyes, and she says, "I've talked to Jesus." And my friend says, "What did he say?" And then Hannah said, "Jesus told me, all he wants for Christmas is me." It's a true story. That God. Still speaks to people. Why? Out of love. And I think there's a Hannah in here tonight who needs to hear the truth that God still breaks through and even tonight will break right through to you and to share his love. This is not fairy tale stuff. This is not sentimentality. This is real. A very real God who wants to break through to you that you would know his everlasting, never-ending, unlosable, unearnable love. Because every one of us here in this room is looking for lasting love, and we can't find it outside of Jesus. My prayer that maybe someone tonight, another Hannah, who's looking to hear from Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time, that you would experience this unlosable, unearnable, everlasting, never-ending love. This is the mission of Jesus. He wants to come near so that you would know this kind of love. Jesus Christ's wish tonight is that you would know and experience this love. In John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40, Jesus reminds us what his mission is, this great mission of God to come to planet Earth as a baby. And in John 6, he says this, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him, the Father who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus' mission the reason why he came as a baby, the reason why he took a cross, the reason why he rose again, is so that you would know this unlosable, unearnable, never-ending, always-lasting love that you're looking for. That's what Christmas is about. Do you know this love? Jesus's wish this Christmas is that you would know his gift of grace. Because he was sent to rescue us And Jesus promises that if you give up your life, you'll finally find your life. So what do you want this Christmas? All that Jesus wants is you. When you say yes to Jesus, he gives you not a set of rules to follow, not to try to earn his favor. He gives you himself, Emmanuel God, with us. You see, he knows you better than you know yourself, this wonderful counselor. He knows you're looking for a love that will never run out. He knows you're looking for true love, but you can't find it. This mighty God became flesh to offer up costly love that you might receive his gift of grace. See, it was love that brought God to earth. Not religion. Love a rescue mission, that you might receive his gift of grace. It was love that brought God to earth and love that kept the Prince of Peace on the cross. It was love. And the book of Hebrews says that, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. You know what I think that might mean? That as Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible is saying Jesus had joy. How could he have joy suffering on the cross? Perhaps he had joy because he thought about you, he thought about me, being separated from him for eternity. And for him, the suffering of the cross was a joy if that meant that you might say yes to him. Can you imagine the kind of love that would keep him on the cross when he could have left at any time he wanted to? Now, my friend doesn't know if Hannah, who's now in her 20s, kept having this conversation with Jesus. But I know we can pray that Hannah would give her life, her heart, her soul, and mind, her strength to Jesus, maybe even today, And we can pray for all the other Hannahs in this room, that each one of us might hear a fresh word from the Lord, a word of love, that we can see the smiling God, that we'd stop trying to earn His favor, stop trying to prove ourselves, and we would rest in His everlasting, never-ending, unearnable, unlosable love. That's what Christmas is all about, friends. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We do pray for Hannah right now. We don't know where she is. We don't know if she's following you, but we know you spoke to her. And I pray for all the other Hannahs in this room that you would break through and break into our minds, our hearts, our soul, into our very inner being, Lord, and to teach us that you're real, that you're true, that you're present, that you do have love for us that will never end. Lord, help us overcome our unbelief And Lord, may we be so renewed with your love that we would be energized to share it with those around our dinner table tonight, with those we'll see tomorrow morning as we open gifts, as we we share hugs. May we share the love of Jesus with people that we encounter. Lord Jesus, fill us anew with your love that we might share it, that you would be glorified. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray these things. Amen.